I realized I scheduled the podcast with you, but then I was like, oh, but then I told you early that I was ready, and then I realized, oh, I already set a time with you, so you're busy, but then I was like, I made a uh, sandwich, and I was like, eating the sandwich, and I'm like, you know what's gonna happen? I'm gonna, I'm gonna start tearing into this ham and cabbage, and then he's gonna be like, I'm ready. And then I was, <laughs> I was thinking about, like, uh, the movie that we watched, and I was like, just a couple of guys go down to a public park, some beer and some apples... Perfect afternoon. Crack open a cold box of wine or pour something cold on ice because it's the Binge Watchers Podcast. American crime film, written and directed by Michael Cimino, Clint Eastwood, Jeff Bridges, George Kennedy, and Jeffrey Lewis. In for a penny, in for a pound. Hey, and you know what? In an alternate universe, Lightfoot grows up to be the dude in The Big Lebowski. (laughs) Ponder that one for a minute. (laughs) It's an interesting idea. Well, it makes sense because we don't really know his story. Yeah, or why he has money. Why Why he's just writing 40 cent checks for half and half, you know? To make his white Russians at, at his little tiny apartment. And he definitely values the good things in life because the best thing that, that uh, is in his apartment is the rug that throws the room together. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Could have picked up on, yeah. you know, that along the way in one of his adventures, you know? Mm-hmm. What I like about this movie is, like, even when they steal a car, they keep what they collect. Like, for some reason, that lady has, like, a bunch of wardrobes in her car. Do you remember the couple they meet at the gas station? Yeah. And they switch cars? Or they, they kick them out of their car at the gas station? Yeah. But then, like, then they're going through all the threads, and then they're just wearing, like, flashies 1970s gear. You know, <laughs> just completely comfortable. Oh, man. Yeah, I didn't know, um... I didn't know there was going to be a crime aspect to this until we, uh, started watching it. I oh! Knew that, uh... You didn't know it was a heist movie? No. Oh, dang. Is this the first time you ran through this movie? Yeah. Holy crap. <laughs> so, Dave, like, maybe I just assumed this. I don't know if Dave assumed this collectively about us, but I, all these movies that I've seen, I literally just assume that former college roommate, current indie, independent director, stage actor, and all-around good guy, Dangerous David, uh, has seen literally every movie that I've seen. <laughs> like, I didn't realize... 
Because, I mean, I mean, I've seen thousands of movies. David's seen thousands of movies. Makes sense that we tried our luck at film school. Makes sense we have a podcast about movies. Because, literally, I mean, at this point, it's almost a religion for us. The amount of movies that we watch and continue to watch. Like, living, breathing. Insane. Yeah, it's a lifestyle choice. It really is. Kind of, hey, go run a mile in seven minutes. Nah, fuck you. I think I'll watch this movie for two hours. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, choices. It's all about choices. Uh, I didn't. Re- yeah, I didn't realize you didn't even go through the Thunderbolts and the Lightfoots before. Um, yeah. No, but I, I was glad I did. It's a great movie. That's pretty good. That's why I was surprised. Um, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I try to. God, it's hard to get to every single movie. Um, in fact, um, this guy still haven't even seen the Deer Hunter all the way through. Oh so, yeah. I mean, I mean, Best Picture, Best Director, Award Winner, uh, Michael Cimino. He got that. I think he was actually knighted in France too. And of course, people people either know him for the the great films that he got made or the disaster film that fell apart that they made a documentary about. Um, um, yeah, the uh, Heaven's Gate. Yeah. Which like which is funny because it's had some uh, uh, reevaluation lately where. It um, kind of like water. Uh, as strange as it is to compare the two, it's kind of like Waterworld, where people just talked about the budget and overblownness of it all versus the movie itself. <laughs> um, you know, because at the end of the day, the movie itself is is good. Uh, just uh, went way over budget, lost a lot of people jobs. Yeah, that's actually, true. It, it actually ruined uh, United Artists for a while. Oh, speaking of UA. Clint Eastwood has some beef with them. Like, over this movie, there was, like, something going on with, like, the marketing of this movie. And he actually had a, a, another deal set up with them for another picture, and he backed out of it because he just felt like they didn't take care of this movie correctly, or he had, like, a, a hitch in his giddy-up over, like, their relationship or whatever, business relationship. So mm. um, he went to UA because he was a studio actor. Okay, so I, how do I explain this, like... Okay, studios back in the day had, like, a stable of actors, and they would put the same directors, same writers, and actors, and just churn out movie after movie after movie after movie. And what's funny about, like, Netflix and the studios now, they're kind of going back to that model. Like, you'll see right. the same actors and same directors hooking up on projects with the same companies now. Like, it's almost like the new studio system, and it's, like, back in full gear. But, um, I was, yeah, I was trying to look up trivia on this movie, because I was like, okay, well, I love the movie. I've seen it a couple times. Dave's watched it now. We're going to talk about it. Like, what else could I dig up on the movie, you know, to tell the audience about? Like, might, if they're just in, like, behind-the-scenes stuff. And it was just that. Eastwood had an attitude with U- UA, and they, they ceased their working relationship after this movie. Because um, I noticed, like, I think it's called Malaposo or whatever. It's, like, Eastwood's company. It was mm. on the opening credits of this movie, and I was like, holy shit. I didn't realize Eastwood's production company actually existed when this movie came out. I thought it came later, you know what I mean? And he put it all on his yeah. stuff that he directed. But um, I guess it was working then, it was an entity then. Um, the movie's kind of unusual b- because of, like, the Jeff Bridges character. And, like, I guess, like, Eastwood was, like, um, worried about being outstaged by Bridges in this movie. Mm-hmm. And the only one who actually got nominated for an Academy Award was Bridges for, like, Best Supporting. Even though people were telling Eastwood he was going to get nominated for Thunderbolt, but he didn't. Um, the standout for me is actually, uh, I like George Kennedy. You know, and, and just for the simple reason, like, yeah. he gets under your skin, like, right away. And you hate him the entire movie. And, like, I can't think of, like, the last time I saw a movie where I actually hated the character that was the antagonist. Like, you just, you just like, 
He, he just gets under your skin, you know what I mean? And you're watching the whole movie going like, okay, I've had enough. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, you know, he's he's skeezy from the beginning, and then, like, his backstory is terrible, too. Like, okay, he gets out of jail. And then, like, then he's got all this, this like, sleazy attitude about women in general. But you also... They also do this thing where they're... You know the part of the movie where they they have the little trailer? Like, they decide to get jobs, right? Yeah. Like, okay, basically, how do, how do we... Back, well, I guess, should we back up and, like walk through everything except I don't want to reveal the ending I want to leave that for people that, that might like actually fine. go find the movie but should we I back mean, up from beginning and to the middle or should I just mention mention the character let me mention the character point first and then we'll try to back up the plot truck um, right. George Kennedy's character is part of this little group of like this little I don't know the, these four dudes or whatever pulled off a heist and then two of them went to prison one of them died one of them gets out and what's funny about uh Eastwood impersonating a priest in this movie after a heist. Jeff Bridges will do that in a movie called um, Bad Times at the El Royale. Yeah, Bad Times at the El Royale. Uh, somebody pretending to be a priest who pulled off a heist like thirty years ago and was looking for the money, and that's like where Eastwood is. And he's at this little church in the beginning, like hiding out as a preacher, but seems to be enjoying the job. And then his old gang member, not well, they're not really a gang. I don't know what you call them, a crew. I guess you would call him a crew. His old crew comes looking for him because, you know, the money is supposedly still floating around or whatever that they hid from this major bank job that they're famous for or whatever. Um, And then, like, and then it just happens to be that Jeff Bridges has stolen a car and he runs into Clint Eastwood and Eastwood actually uses him to escape from the guys that are shooting at him. And then, then it keeps going. The chase continues for, like, half the movie and then more and more of the story about this famous bank heist comes up. And then they decide to uh, reenact their heist. But at one point, they're all living in a trailer together, and they want Jeff Bridges to dress up as a woman as part of their <laughs> part yeah. of the redo heist. Like they're going to reenact the same heist over again in the same town and still from the same people or same organization. It's like the state's like armored truck organization or something. But um, like the George Kennedy character of Red, he's so skeevy that like. You know he was into some prison bitches. And, like, the reason he's so mad at Lightfoot is he reminds him of one of his little prison hookups or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's right. this there's just extra level, like, of contention. Like, and and then I got really scared when they break into the um, manager's house. Like, for some reason, they're saying, like, the bank vault is wired up with somebody's house that triggers an alarm so the manager can inform the police. Or that. I, I don't know if that's really... Mm. That that's how the banks operated in the seventies before computers. I, I don't really know, but um, they break into this dude's house and he's got a family and like he's got like, a teenage daughter there who's naked with her boyfriend. And then like you see red, you see like the red processing the event and like then he puts his hands on the girl and you're like, um, for a split second you're like, oh this is gonna get real fucking bad real quick. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like the way yeah. he talks about women in this movie, where he talks about like, um. Again, he just makes your skin crawl, and again, I guess that's just a tribute to uh, to his performance. I guess you know, you know. Well, what I there, mean? There's that one scene where um, Jeff Bridges is telling um, telling about the group about this woman who's just standing naked there. Um, oh, while he was and he's doing like some begging work. for details. Yeah, and I'm yeah. just like, dude, like 
you can't use your own imagination. You got to have this kid here tell you like, oh, I saw everything. Like you can't figure it out for yourself. Uh, and again, but, again, another prison thing, you know, like cellmate swapping stories or something. Right. You know what I mean? Like, but like the look on his, like he's like licking his chops almost. Like, yeah, give me more details. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah, like he's about to eat a steak or something. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and then like he's like the, I mean, obviously he doesn't believe in honor or anything, even honor among thieves. Like there, are, uh, you know, I will say one of their other friends gets shot and then he just throws them out of the car, you know, when they're trying to escape. Yeah. Um, so there you go with that one. Um, so, okay, back up about plot. Essentially, we don't know what's happening in the beginning. Like I said, you think that Clint Eastwood is a preacher and then you find out he's not. He gets shot at, takes off with this kid in the car. And then Lightfoot starts kind of giving his life philosophy. Like, if you help somebody out, you're in for a penny or you're in for a pound. Which is kind of mm. like, as far as I can tell, another way of saying, like, if you save somebody's life, you, like, you're responsible for them. Is is kind of like the same kind of, like, philosophy, maybe. Um, mm. Or, basically, if you get involved in somebody's life, it doesn't matter if you're involved for five minutes or ten minutes, the outcome is the same. I don't know. Um, I mean, he repeats the catchphrase, like, a few times in the movie. Uh, scenery is great. I heard that Eastwood doesn't like the location scout, which is weird because he's his movies have like amazing locations. You think he'd enjoy the countryside or whatever? Right. And a lot of his movies from the seventies and eighties, he's out in the middle of the wilderness anyway. So it doesn't make any sense. I guess that's all an image. I guess it's all just part of the job. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but um, I will I will say this movie was a lot funnier than I was expecting. Like it had some great uh, like genuine laughs through it especially george kennedy telling some kid to go fuck a duck oh yeah go fuck a duck or when he first got in the car before he he goes uh um interaction to his character is like when they finally get to where they okay they hid the money in a schoolhouse supposedly a one-room schoolhouse one-window schoolhouse and then the school is missing and on in its place they've built like a modern school and then so thunderbolt and lightfoot have pulled up to that school and they like and here, here's the weird, funny thing. Like again, like we just saw him in a park eating apples and drinking beer. Then they just buy ice cream, <laughs> and they're sitting there <laughs> eating a fucking ice cream because the school with the money is missing, and they're just like, ah, oh, whatever. I guess that's it. Like, like, and then yeah. uh, Red and the other guy poke up from the back seat with guns, and this is Red's introduction to them: is uh, um, put down your cocks and grab your socks. That's mm-hmm. the, that's the line. <laughs> like, so there yeah. you go. Yeah, um, all the one-liners kind of actually went to red. If you think about it, there's not really any speeches in the movie, and um, Eastwood's character Thunderbolt is almost kind of monosyllabic because he he like, I mean, it's like pulling teeth to get any details out of out of his, out of his character. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Lightfoot is is like again like a, a a younger version of the dude in the Big Lebowski. I mean, that's what I equate it to. He's He's not really a hippie. He's like a pseudo-hippie, because I don't really think he believes in the free love, all that jazz. He's actually more conservative when it comes to his sexuality in the movie than Eastwood. Because remember, they hook up with a couple of girls at a motel, and then, like, it's actually the kid, Lightfoot, that strikes out, and Eastwood checks in with him to see how he fared. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he makes a comment, like, either he couldn't perform, or he just, like, you know, didn't make a connection with the girl, and it, it didn't it didn't work out. Whatever, you know, the date went didn't work out. Um, the nudity in this movie is kind of ridiculous too. Like it comes out of nowhere. There's like there's like no setup for it. Like uh, th- they decide to pu- when they decide to pull off the same heist again, they're all they all have to take jobs, mm-hmm. which is kind of weird. Have you ever heard of like people pulling off a heist and they go like 
incognito. I mean, I understand, like, if they're going to rob somewhere, they might dress up as, like, a delivery person or what have you or try to make a connection with somebody that works at, like, a diner or... You know what I mean? But but yeah. they, they're, like... I mean, at one point, they show Eastwood's character approached by a secretary who says, I'm going to need your social security. And I'm, like... If you're pulling off a bank heist, you don't really want to, like, uh, leave an indicator of how people can find you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, but they're just kind of like... And then they rent a trailer, so they're living in a trailer, and they're all working nine-to-fives. And you don't know how much time has passed, but, I mean, for the most part, you think the movie takes place over a road trip that takes place over, like, a week or so, right? Yeah, that's kind of the way it feels. Um... Yeah, but then, if they took day jobs, they figure, like... You know, what's the average? It takes like 30 days to get employed. You might go on like four or five interviews. So these guys potentially are in this little town near the armory. It's, I don't know, it's not, I guess it's not an armory. It's like the Montana armored car, but they have a bank vault. So the armored cars drop money off and it's kept in this deposit for so long. Yeah, yeah, like a state treasury or something. So they go to this little town. And and forget, like, the local authorities thinking that these might be the guys that did it before at all. Like, they never go to a bar and encounter, like, Johnny Law or something. You know what I mean? Like, um, what's weird is, like, how the movie kind of switches stories. Like, um, they're being chased by these guys about the old job, and then they decide to pull off the new job, basically using the exact same tactics as the old heist. But for the... For the first like hour it's straight up a road movie and you it's just about the relationship with thunderbolt and lightfoot and then then they're suddenly in the heist with these other guys and then they pay a lot of put a lot of attention to red torturing lightfoot and then like thunderbolt takes kind of a back seat for the rest of the movie until the very end yeah um yeah, they, they uh, what's his name, uh, George Kennedy's character has it out for Lightfoot, and we don't really know yeah. why, at least I, you know, other than he's just young. Again, yeah. I just think it's like there's a prison story that Red never wants to tell anybody, and, and Lightfoot reminds him of somebody, you know what I mean? Like, like somebody, that broke, somebody that broke his heart in jail, I don't know. <laughs> like, um, but he, t- he basically says he's going to screw, he's going to mess this kid up, like he says it several times in the movie. It's almost like they're, they're on different sides of an ideological coin. You know what I mean? Like, mm. their belief systems are just, like, rubbing against each other, and they just can't work it out. But, um, anyway, going back to taking the jobs, the point I was bringing up where the nudity just pops out of nowhere is they have Jeff, they have Lightfoot, you know, Jeff Bridges' character, in working construction, and he's at somebody's property, and then all of a sudden the wife is naked in the window. Which I thought, like, isn't that, like, a 70s fantasy? That's, like, mm. the working man's fantasy of the day. Right? Like, either our grand- grandfather's generation or our father's generation that was, like, the Hustler magazine fantasy of the week. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like oh, it's the housewife, the board job. housewife, yeah. You're just doing your job, cleaning her yard, and then there she is. You know? She needs some help inside, David. <laughs> yeah, she does. <laughs> Man. But again, it comes out of nowhere, because it has nothing to do with the plot. It's just like, here we are for seven minutes watching him dig holes in the yard, and then all of a sudden she's there. I'm like, all right, that got some masses in the seats when they opened it in theaters, right? <laughs> That's kind of what I liked about the movie, though, is it just had moments, like, took the time to have little moments. Yeah, that's the thing. It could be a meander movie. It could be, like, one of those movies that I talk about all the time, like the early Jack Nicholson stuff, where you're just kind of, like, you're hanging out, absorbing a character, and you're kind of, like, watching their life fly by. But I will say this movie does not waste time, though. 
it's pretty mm. aware of the time it's it's taking with the characters and uh I wonder if that's really the Snake River. At one point they they hitch like a ride on a uh I thought it was going to be like a ferry boat, the ferries people, but it ended up being like a a mercantile boat that just transfers goods up and down a river or something, but do you think that was really the Snake River? Oh, uh, maybe. Yeah. Cuz a lot of this took place in Montana if I remember right. Yeah, yeah, I saw that some of the locations were like uh a lot of Montana and some in Idaho and um Oh, the other thing I heard, do you remember my four take rule? Like four takes about filmmaking? We talked about this before, right? I think where, so. Where like I, you can get it in four takes, like basically um you have a take that's like a rehearsal. You have a take that might be a technical error. You have a take where an actor might miss their mark and the fourth take you got it. And they can happen in any order. They're not specific to anything. Like, you might nail it in take one, and they might screw up the camera on take three, and the or the actor might screw up on take one, and you know, you know what I mean? It doesn't really... Mm-hmm. They don't go in chronological order, but I read that um, Eastwood was pushing that rule pretty hard on this movie with Samina. Like, we got it, we got it, we got it. Take three, hmm. take four, we got it. And there was some pushback, obviously, from Samino, and then, like, Bridges wanted to try some stuff out, like, ad-lib, he wanted to go, he wanted to try some things... And it was going to be like an alternative take, and uh, and Eastwood conceded. He was like, "Yeah, give the kid a try." But basically, basically the way I read the article, right, was that like, mm. um, everybody kind of was like dumbfounded on the set because they've never heard an actor like like an Eastwood step up. And, and this was kind of early in his career, so he didn't really have the panache or authority to maybe do this. Later on, you think maybe his ego gets a little big for his britches. And then he's like, yeah, no, I'm not doing another take. Because notoriously, Bruce Willis is like that, from what I hear. Like, a lot of stories say that. I don't know him personally, so he can't vouch for it. But I think even Kevin Smith's book talks about that. Like, he's basically a guy that will just tell you no and you're done. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, you, like you gotta... Like, just rip pages out of scripts. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I mean... not doing these. Yeah. I mean, there are some actors, you gotta convince them that it's their idea. And then they'll give you that extra take. But... I know what that four takes is about, man. Like, uh, some actors don't have emotional stamina, and uh, I'll admit, I'm not going to do 33 takes. I mean, I'm really out of practice, but I'm not going to do 33 takes or 64 takes. It's Like, that to me is kind of crazy. Like, unless you're shooting, like, a giant battle scene with, like, 300 extras, do you really yeah. need 60 takes of anything? I mean, <laughs> how many angles can you get? Uh Right. You know what's weird is, like, I kept trying to figure out where they got this giant military gun. They have, like, a 70-millimeter cannon from the Korean War in this movie. Mm-hmm. And they keep talking about it for a little while. They bring it up a couple times. That's what the, This movie's actually pretty good about uh, reoccurring themes or reminding you about the key elements. It sounds stupid, but I kind of like the rhythm of... And it must be Samino's writing. Like, every once in a while, about every 20 minutes, we're reminded of a, a couple of certain things. Light, like, light, Lightfoot's attitude on life... The fact that Red hates him and this mysterious military prop that they use to break open the vault with. Right. You know what I mean? And then we finally see it and it's ginormous. But they pick it up from like some kind of like uh, utility supply. I'm a, like, I, yeah, they well they they snuck in and just and just walked in with confidence, like with oh, a yeah, fake bill of sale or something. Like, like I don't get it. Like they just acted like they were supposed to be there. Yeah. And it, uh, well, and then of course Lightfoot stole like or borrowed a, a company truck he worked for, um, just to like, I, 
some of the planning is loose on this. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, absolutely. Um, I also didn't buy that they could fit that gun in the sedan. Like, I don't think no, that car could actually either. run with that gun in the back of... And I wonder if they had a problem when they were setting up to, sh- to shoot that scene, because there's no way that gun would fit in that trunk. In reality, in real life. Anyway. When they switch it from the delivery truck that he borrowed mm. from the day crew... Um, again, I was I told you guys that Lightfoot was working construction. He borrows his boss's truck, who's Gary Busey, very young Gary Busey with long hair. Very young, yeah. Yeah. Very, 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 very young. Like... Ridiculously young. Um, but yeah, there's no way that gun's going to fit inside the little sedan. And then, I don't understand why they have to hide the two people in the back. If they just bought tickets for all four of them at the movie theater, then they might have gotten away with it. But they cram two people in the back, yeah. and the shirt's sticking out, and then the, they're in another police chase. Um, folks, I was telling Dave earlier, I texted him, I was like, let's not, let's not Johnny spoiler the ending on this one. I want you guys to go watch it. So what I think we should do is favorite scene and weirdest scene. Like a scene that was like crazy. You can go first Ooh. if you want. Um, oh shit, I, I wasn't prepared for that. Um, oh. <laughs> I'll say the weird. I'll say the weirdest scene is um probably the uh, the naked lady um, when uh, Jeff Bridges is uh, doing construction work or yard work. Just because it came out of left field, uh, I. I didn't expect it. Yeah, there's no pretense for it, because this movie doesn't actually do that thing with music where it sets you up for some kind of, you know, like, plot device. Like, it doesn't tell you, oh, okay, seduction is coming. Okay, danger is coming. It doesn't give you any, like, musical cues, really. Right. No, it doesn't. Um, favorite scene. Um, hmm. I, that's a tough one. Um. I don't know, I guess just the the two getting together. Um, just uh, Jeff Bridges stole a car, because I don't know why not. And uh, <laughs> picks, uh, picks up Clint Eastwood, and it's just kind of an interesting pair. Yeah. Uh, has a lot to say about friendship, because um, there's surely there uh, there's a scene where they're going to split apart. Maybe maybe that's what maybe that's my favorite scene, is where they're going to split apart, and uh, Jeff Bridges is like, well, hell, man, you know, I wanted to hang out. Like, I thought we'd be friends. You know, um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, but in that scene, it's at the bus station, but then, um, you know, Thunderbolt sees Red, and then he tries to look for the guy's car just to get away again. You know what I mean? So at that at that point, like, he's not ready to be his friend. I think when Thunderbolt starts, starts telling him about his past, then he's, like, warming up to the friendship, right? Yeah, that's true, yeah. Um, my favorite scene is probably for some reason where they're out in the wild and, like, it's the calm before the storm, like, I really like the stuff by what appears to be the Snake River, which mm. we talked about a couple minutes ago, and then I think, like, uh, the weirdest scene, I think, is there's this guy whose car is propped up on tires that are too big for the car and would definitely be illegal today. I don't know if oversized tires were illegal then, but I don't think mm. you could get away with it today. He has a trunk full of bunnies. He has a raccoon in a cage yes. and a trunk full of bunnies, and he decided to pull his muffler inside the car... So he's getting high off the gas fumes, but he he doesn't seem to be intending to kill himself. He's just literally getting high off of it. And then they, they he's going to shoot the bunnies, so then, then Thunderbolt and Lightfoot save the bunnies. And that's only the middle of the movie. So there you go. I definitely think that people... It's on Netflix right now. So if you're going to waste the rest of your march on crap, take a two, two hours or whatever and watch Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Yeah. 
Fucking A. Movies. Binge-worthy shit.